himself. Father, we just thank you for money. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry that you've placed within him. Lord, we thank you for the gift that you have given to the church. And Lord, we ask your blessing to be upon him as he ministers. Lord, we pray anointing and build the freedom of the house. Lord, he may sense the presence of the Lord. And Lord, every word that proceeds from his mouth may come from you. Lord, we pray that we may receive. Lord, that the soil of our heart may be prepared and ready to receive what the seed that you have for us this evening. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Pastor George. I'm really excited about speaking tonight. Um, I feel like God's got a word for us. And I feel like uh, that's an exciting thing. And sometimes we can come to church and we can get into the habit of just listening to the preacher or the teacher and just go home and not remember that God's speaking through. And I'm just a humble servant, but I believe God's given me a message to give to the church. And if it's if your first time here tonight, I just really want to welcome you. I want to say, you know, we're just so glad that you wanted to come and spend Sunday night with us. And just, uh, that's, that's such a blessing to us. So if it's your first time, welcome. And uh, there's a few things I think I should let you know about this, this place before... You're going to find out eventually if it's your first time, but this is a house full of broken people. We're all broken people. I'm speaking to you tonight, but I'm a broken person. Become very aware of that every day that I live, a little bit longer. I realize how broken I am. And, you know, if you come tonight and you're feeling that way, if you come tonight and you're feeling tired, weary, broken, oh, man. Welcome to a place where we're all working towards getting fixed, getting repaired, I like to call it. When we come to Jesus, we, we're repaired. He starts repairing our brokenness. He starts repairing the areas of our life where we've been hurt, where we've been just pushed down. He starts building us up again. Um, I just get that picture of kind of like a stump, you know. Like some of us feel like maybe we've been just cut down. To the very ground almost. We used to, maybe we were tall. We had things and then we just got cut down. Well, God wants to raise us up. God wants to give us new life. I'm used to talking to youth, so I'm used to getting some feedback and screaming and... The mic not, is it working? I've, got, I've just got to talk close to the mic. Right, okay. So anyway, I'm used to hearing a lot of, you know, vocal activity. So if you want to say amen, you can say amen. I'm hoping there's enough to say amen to tonight. Amen. But, um, you know, the thing about being broken is, I find it very interesting, brokenness can look very different. Brokenness can look really good. When I say that, I mean there are things and people that can be broken, but they actually look like they have it all together. They look on the outside like everything's just right, everything's just fine. But there's a brokenness. On the other side, you can look at people who look broken, and they can have more together and more on the ball than people that look like they have it together. <laughs> right? Some of us in this room, some of you who are getting older, you feel that way, right? You're like, I might look like I'm getting older, but I still got a lot going on. I still got a lot going on in my heart. And a life and, a, and, a, and an excitement about life. So, brokenness can be that way. It can look, it can be deceptive. We can look at some people and judge by the outward appearance while they look broken or they don't look broken. 
But the reality of the matter is that Jesus says in the Bible, we're all broken. Every person is broken. That's why I can stand before you and say I'm broken and I'm in the process of being fixed up. And it's a lifelong process. It takes a long time. I'm going to have to get used to talking right into this mic. But it's a process, brokenness, and being fixed from it. Um, I want to talk to you tonight about being born again. I want to talk to you tonight about what the Bible says is the remedy for human brokenness. I want to talk to you tonight about what Jesus says is the answer to what we need to get, to get fixed and to get repaired. We've all been physically born in here, right? Everybody? I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, I've got some, some concerns. But we've all had a moment in our life when we were physically born. When we, when we came into this world, we have a date, we have a day, we have right down to the minute on our birth certificate when we were born into this world in a physical way, when our existence on this planet began. And we have this body and we have this life that we're right in the middle of living tonight, right? We're all like right in the middle of living our lives. Maybe some of us are older, maybe some of us are younger, but we're right there in the middle of living life. And some of us are happy about our lives, right? Some of us are content. We're like, yeah, my, you know, my life's, my life's pretty good. There's been some ups and downs. There's been some rough times. But for the most part, my life's pretty good. And then there's others of us in this room. We're not really, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're not pleased. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm really giving Alex a hard time because I'm not talking to the mic. I got you, brother. I'm going to talk to the mic. Do I need to repeat all that now? Oh, bless you, Alex. So some of us are pleased with the way our lives have gone, and some of us are disappointed with the way that our lives have gone, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. And there's some of us that are kind of in the middle. We're like, you know, you know like, I wish I had done that differently, but I did this really good, and so it kind of... Right in that happy middle, middle ground. But again, whether we feel good about the way that our life has gone, and whether we feel, or whether we feel bad about it, or whether we're just frustrated about our lives, the point is this: every life in this room tonight, including my own, is a limited life. It's going to come to an end at some point. Every life, no matter how you feel about it, is going to, at some point, end. It's going to reach its limit, and it's going to stop. And that's really what I want to talk to you tonight about, is the physical life that we have, this physical thing that we do in our bodies and in our jobs and everything else, and then the spiritual life that the Bible says all of us have. There's an eternal existence within us that goes on after this. If you've ever seen a dead body, you know they're not there. If you've known that person, they're not there. You look at the body and you say, right, I remember them, but that's not, they're not here anymore. They're gone, you know. And so we can recognize that. And we make a distinction, even if we don't articulate it with our words, we make a distinction and we know that there is a physical life 
that ends and the person that we knew isn't there anymore and it goes somewhere. Now where it goes, that's the interesting thing about it that we want to talk about, that we want to get to the bottom of. It's this understanding about life coming to an end and it's this understanding about how many of you realize life's pretty short at this stage? Man, every day I get older, I realize life is so short. Every, every year seems shorter. Every month seems shorter. Every week just goes by faster and faster and faster. And many of you have experienced that. Alex, I don't even know what's going on with you, but a year must be like really fast now. <laughs> really fast. Because the older we get, the shorter a year is. And the older we get, the shorter a month is. When you were you know, five years old, a summer was an eternity. You could spend an eternity in the sun of the summer, and it never ended. Now, it goes by so fast, I can't even I just blink and I miss it. You know? So it's that knowledge of eternity, it's that knowledge of the end of our lives that makes us realize, wait a second, I don't have much time. I've got to do everything I can do. I've got to live my life the best I can to the fullest. Like George said this morning, he said, I, don't, I want to live until I die. That's a great mantra. That's a great thing for us to, to strive for. But people, in, people who don't know the, the Lord, they say that and they do everything they can to find satisfaction. They do everything they can to find fulfillment because they realize their life is short and they, they, they think this way. They think, I've only got one life. I've got to make the most of it. I've got to do everything in my power to enjoy myself so that when I get to the end of my life, I can look back and say, right, I did it. I lived. I did, I did as much as I could. I spent as much time as I could trying to enjoy myself. I had my bucket list. Does anyone have a bucket list in here? I love to talk to people about their bucket list. It's really fun. But some people get so caught up on the bucket list that that's all they focus on. And once they, get it, once they finish that bucket list of things they want to do before they die, they say, okay, I've lived. And I can die now. And I can die satisfied because I did what I wanted to do. And then they can go into eternity or whatever else is after this, content because they did everything they could do to enjoy themselves. Now, the thing about eternity and the thing about afterwards, the majority of the world's population actually believe in a heaven. They believe in something afterwards. There's a very small percentage of atheists, atheists in this world. They make a lot of noise, so you think there's a lot of them. But there's actually a very small percentage. I think it's under 10% of the world's population is actually you know, bona fide atheists. They don't believe there's anything afterwards. But for the majority of the world, people believe that something comes afterwards. Okay? And the, and the majority of those people, the majority of the majority, I could say that, they believe in a heaven. And they believe that you get to heaven by being good. By doing good things. And the, the hope... And the prayer for people who believe in a heaven, but don't really go any further than that, is they hope that their, the good things that they do in this life outweigh the bad, and then 
if those good things outweigh the bad things, hopefully they'll get into heaven. It's a really insecure system. It's really insecure. It's, a, it's based on hope. It's based on, I think, it's based on, I'm a pretty good person. How many guys have heard someone say, I'm a pretty good person? Like, when you're talking about heaven, I'm a pretty good person. I think I'll get there. It's really insecure. There's no security there at all. It's just, uh, it's, it's maybe, hopefully, it might be. You know, all these things that make you kind of wonder yourself. You're kind of talking to them saying, I'm worried about you. I'm really worried about you. You know, if, I, if, if we had that mindset, it's just up and down. Some days you might feel good about what you believe. Some days you might not. There's insecurity in that mindset. Now, when we talk about heaven, again, I just want to remind you that we're talking about the spiritual person, right? Because, again, you go back to that body. I don't want to dwell on it, but a corpse is missing something that it had previously. So the body isn't going to go on living. You know, like it, just, it, it, it stops and it stays here. But what goes on after that is an eternal part of you. So it's, it's, I'm talking about the spirit, the, in, the spirit of people. That God's given us. The Bible says it. It's not my opinion, you know. I think sometimes we can get hung up on that. Well, that's just his opinion. It's not my opinion. I wouldn't have this opinion. I really wouldn't if I didn't believe it was the truth. God's put it in his word and it's his opinion. Which means it's, it's, it's true. For me it's true and, I, and for you it's true even if you don't believe it. So, Heaven. Do we believe that our goodness gets us there? I've got a slide here I want to show you. Oh, it's already up there. Has that been up there a while? Awesome. <laughs> Great. Um, so here's the scale of goodness, right? I just want us to do a quick little exercise to help us understand how most people think and how many of us probably think in here, how I've thought before. Scale of goodness here. All right, you've got the balance beam right in the middle, which is like right on the line. And then you've got best and worst. I'm going to just choose two people from history just to kind of help us get a barometer of where we are in this thing, okay? I'm going to put Mother Teresa. Who knows Mother Teresa? Everybody? Wow, what a good person. What a good person. I think if there's anybody that I would say is a good person, I would say Mother Teresa is. She was just such a good woman. Helped the needy. Helped the poor. Spent, I mean, she was on the mission field till her last days just serving God, right? So we're just going to put her right... Right next to that arrow on the right side, at best. And then I'm going to pick another bad person from history. Adolf Hitler, okay? Everyone in here can agree he's a bad person. There's no, there's no argument. He's a bad guy. So we'll put him right there on the worst. So we've got these two extremes. We've got Adolf Hitler on one side, Mother Teresa on the other. Good and evil, <laughs> right? And then what I want you to do in the next ten seconds is decide where you fit on this scale of goodness. I'm just going to give you 10 seconds. Where would you put yourself on this scale of goodness? Go ahead. Don't, don't shout it out or anything. <laughs> I don't want to incriminate any of us here, but just, just put it you know, in your mind. Decide where you'd be on this list or this scale. I'm going to assume... I'm going to assume that most people in this room, outside of this room, 
Most people, if they're, if they're talking about heaven and they're talking about their good deeds, they're going to put themselves right to the right of that middle line. Within the halfway mark of best and that middle line. Am I right? Yeah? If I'm wrong, don't tell me I'm right. <laughs> but if I'm right, raise your hand. If, if, if that's where you put yourself. Okay, good number. Right. Some, some of us either have think way too highly of ourselves or way too... We've got some serious complexes in here. But right to the right of that line is a pretty comfortable place, right? Because here's the thing, and this is the reason most people will do this. Put themselves right there to the right of that line. It's because they think they're good. They, they really do. Like they've done some good things. They've done some bad things. Did, I want to ask one more question. Did anybody put themselves up there with Mother Teresa? Anybody? <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> wow. Godly woman. No, you are a godly woman, but... Right, nobody... Right, none of us... No one you ask will ever put themselves up there. The only reason Mother Teresa's up there is because I put her up there. She would never have put herself up there. Right? So here's the thing. We all recognize we've done wrong. Otherwise, we'd put ourselves up there with Mother Teresa. And we'd feel, we'd be like, wow, yeah, really, I'm a really good person. I'm a really good person. But we just think we're okay. We, we've like, okay, we've done some bad things. We've done some good things. But we've done, we're, we're trying to do good. So we're going to put ourselves right to the right of that line. Okay? Along with that little exercise, little silly thing, there's a recognition in all of us that we are not perfect, that we've done some wrong things in our life, that we've done a mixture of good and bad. Okay? It's, it's a simple test. And nobody's going to put themselves up there on the right side. Nobody will do it. Because we know ourselves. Oh, how many of you guys know that it doesn't matter how you look in front of other people, you know yourself. You go home with yourself. And you are in your room with yourself. And you know the extent of who you are and what you do and what you think about other people. Yeah, we all, and that's why none of us put ourselves on that list on the right-hand side. Because we know who we are. We know the extent of our wrongdoing. The other reason, by the way, that we don't put ourselves on the other side of that line is because we don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and we realize that if we put ourselves on that side, there's a good chance... We're not going to make it. We're not going to cut it. But we hope that our goodness is enough. So we put ourselves on the right side. The Bible's word for wrongdoing is sin. You know, we could talk about doing wrong. But the Bible uses another word. And it says, when you do wrong, you sin. So based on that little test that we did, and none of us being on the right side... We've all acknowledged the fact that we are wrongdoers. And according to the standards of the Bible, we are sinners. All of us. I'm not talking, to, I'm not talking down to you tonight. I'm right there with you. Like, I'm right here with you. I'm a wrongdoer. I'm a sinner. And we all are. And it's not... I just want to show you a scripture to back it up. Because it's not my opinion again. It's the Lord's opinion. So the next slide, please. Romans 3.23 says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I've got a little key down here to help us understand 
all equals everyone, because sometimes when we hear all, we think of everyone else who it applies to, and we just kind of say, well, it can't be me. I'm a good person. And then fall short. It's just another way of saying not good enough. So we're all sinners, and we are all not good enough. Man, is anyone discouraged yet in this room? I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit down. I, yeah, depressed is a good word. Hopeless, feeling hopeless. I want to let me just show you the next slide. Ephesians two one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All right, this is a really interesting verse. Because it takes what we knew about sin and wrongdoing and says, wait a second, when, sin, when you sin, you actually bring death upon yourself. Now, here's the thing, right? If I sin, if I go and lie to George, my pastor, is my physical body going to die? Of course not. My, my physical body is going to go on living. But what the, what the Bible is saying here is when I sin, it brings death to my inner man, to my spirit. That thing that is going to go on living for eternity, death comes upon me. And the Bible also says we're born into sin. So, man, we're dead before we're even alive. You know? That's how it is. And most of us don't even know it. Most of us haven't even realized that we're dead and that we need to be awakened. Because you know why? Because we look at our natural body and we say, right, I'm alive. We look at each, ourselves every morning and we realize we're alive. And the Bible says, wait, you're dead. So we're stuck in this thing of like, wait a second, am I alive? Am I dead? What, what is the Bible saying? The Bible's talking about your spirit. The Bible's talking about your inner man. The Bible's saying that sin affects your inward person. The thing that's going to go on for eternity. And it doesn't just affect it negatively. It kills it. Go to the next slide if you could, guys. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Again, sin equals death. And even for me, like I've been a Christian most of my life, and realizing that sin is equivalent to death in my life, when I sin, I bring death upon me. It brings a whole new mindset to the way I live my life. And to the way I lived my life before. Now, if we're dead in our hearts, right? If we recognize the Bible says we are dead because we've all done wrong, we need something. We need to do something. We need to get something. Otherwise, we're going to remain dead. And if we remain dead until the moment that our physical body dies, our spiritual body is not going to wake up afterwards. Hopefully. You know, based on our goodness, hopefully it'll wake up. No. Our spiritual man is going to stay dead. And it's not going to go where we want it to go. Okay? Next slide, if you could. If you have ever done wrong, sin has killed your spirit. I don't think I can say it any more clearly than that. Sin has killed your spirit if you've ever done wrong. So in other words, all of us in here tonight are dead if we haven't accessed what we need to access to revive our spirit. If we haven't done what we need to do to awaken that thing in us that is going, that, that eternal part of us that is going to exist after our body dies. Sin kills your spirit. 
doesn't kill your body. It kills your spirit. And a lot of people outside the church and outside of, you know, uh, faith, they don't understand this. So they say, what do you, you know, how, this idea of death, it doesn't work because it's just a hypothetical thing. But when you've experienced the life that Christ can bring, you realize you were dead. You re- I mean, I tell you what, like, I need help. I need serious help. The Lord is changing me, changing my attitudes, changing my, changing my mindsets, my negative way of thinking. And I'm realizing, wow, thank you, Lord, that I was able to, to access and awaken my spirit. Otherwise, I'd just keep on going, doing the same things, making the same mistakes over and over and over again, never realizing I needed to change to do something differently, to awaken myself. Because I was all focused on this outer body, you know? Most of us are more focused on the outward body and our life here on this planet than we are thinking about where we're going afterwards, which is the biggest problem. We're, we, just, we think with our eyes, you know? I want to introduce you to two people in the Bible. Um, in John 3, is there, is there another slide? I can't remember. There is. Well, just go, we'll just go back to the other one. I'm going to give away my ending here. <laughs> There's two people in the Bible. The first one is Nicodemus. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, talks about this guy. His name's Nicodemus. He was a good man. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John, chapter 3. Most of the chapter, most of the, the first half of the chapter is a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Now, here's the thing about Nicodemus. He was a great man. In the eyes of men. He was so good. I mean, if anyone was going to get to heaven, you would look at Nicodemus and say, right, man, this guy is going to get there. He's done enough good things. All he does is good things. He can't do anything wrong. He was a leader of the Jewish people. And he was a good man. Everything he did was good. And Jesus is having a conversation with him. Now, Jesus is the one that we look to for truth. And Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus, this great, good man, he was right up there with Mother Teresa. Right up there. I mean, he was right spot on with her. Right on par. In the eyes of men, in the eyes of people during that time. And Jesus looked at him and said, it's not enough. You're not good enough. You don't have what you need in your goodness. What you need is to be born again. And he used that phrase, born again. And Nicodemus, with all his intellect and all his knowledge, found it difficult to grasp this idea of being born again. He wasn't sure if it was physical birth, or maybe he thought it was... Right, he's trying to be philosophical here. He's trying to be spiritual here. But he couldn't grasp the fact that he was an old man, Nicodemus, and Jesus was telling him, you've got to start all over. You've got to start it all over again. And he thought he was a good person. And what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus was, your spirit, the death that sin brought into your spirit, has never been addressed. You've been trying to do good things for your whole life, and your spirit is dead. Because you've never addressed the death that sin has brought to it. Now, I believe Nicodemus was a good man and that he never did anything intentionally wrong. I really believe that about him. The Scripture speaks very highly of Nicodemus. But Jesus tells him it's not enough. 
It's not enough to just decide, right, I'm going to be a good person. I'm not going to do anything wrong. You still have to address the death that has been inflicted on your life by sin. We all do. We've all ha- we all have to recognize it. We all have to address it. It's not enough to just say, right, I'm going to change. I'm going to be a good person now. We've got to address the death that sin has brought into our lives. We're dead people. Broken people. We need fixing. Oh, I tell you what, man. I just love the Lord because he's, I, I just see His work in my life. Oh, it's so good. It's so nice to know I'm not staying the same. The, the process is a little slower than I would like. It really is slow. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work. But the rewards are just beautiful because he's, he's making me into a better man. He's changing my heart. He's changing, like I said, he's changing my attitudes. Oh, man, our attitudes are so important. I'm talking, to, I'm talking to people who don't know Jesus in here. I'm talking to people who do know Jesus in here. Your attitudes, you've got to let God change your attitudes. Negativity will kill whatever good things you have going on in your life. Negativity will kill it. Gossip will kill it. And we've got to be aware of this. We've got to ask the Lord, God, change me. Change me. Get this out of my life. It's not helping anybody, and it's breaking me. Because we can be fixed and then break ourselves again by doing stupid things that we shouldn't do. So Nicodemus, he was a good man. Again, right up there with Mother Teresa on that scale. If you could just go back to the scale of goodness, guys. I came up with this scale of goodness. I'm really proud of it. Three lines, two arrows. It's great. One line, two, two, two lines. There's another person I want to introduce you to. Okay, so we got Nicodemus here. Mother Teresa is there. And then we've got another woman in John chapter 8. Just a few chapters later, there's a woman in John chapter 8. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. This woman was not a good woman on the outside or on the inside until she met Jesus. All right, this woman was a prostitute. This woman was uh, actually in, the, in this passage in John 8. She was caught in the act of adultery, which at this time was a really, really bad thing. It's bad now, but it's, it was, it was, you would get stoned then. So the consequences were a little worse then. Right? So this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and that was a big deal. So, and and the, the, the religious leaders of the Jewish community brought her before Jesus. And they didn't bring her before Jesus just because they wanted justice done. They brought her before Jesus because they were always looking for opportunity to take Jesus down. Now, here's the thing. If you make a decision tonight to follow Jesus, there is going to be opposition. There is going to be resistance against you. Right now, you're trying to do good, and you might find it easy. If you accept Jesus and you try to do good, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be really difficult. I'll explain that a little more later. But this woman... She was, she was a broken person. She was completely broken in her sin, and it was obvious to everybody. People recognized her. She, was the kind of, she wasn't like Nicodemus, where you'd walk up the road and you'd say, wow, what a man of God. You'd look at this woman and you'd say, wow, what a sinner. What a messed up person this, this, this woman is. And they brought her before Jesus. And they, they asked him, he said, they said, what are we going to do with her? 
And they all had stones in their hand. It, you know, it's one of these questions you're like, right, you know, what are you asking? And Jesus does, he just ignores them for, for a, a few minutes. He just says, I don't even have time for people like you who, who are just trying to stir up trouble. And then he looks at them and he says, if you've never done wrong, if you've never sinned, throw the stones. And one by one, each of those men who had brought this woman before Jesus slowly went away. Slowly walked away until it was just Jesus and this woman from John 8. And then Jesus says one of the most beautiful and profound things. It's so simple, but it's so wonderful. He says, where are your accusers? And he tells her, I don't condemn you either. They're gone, and I don't hold anything against you either. But go and sin no more. Go and turn your life around. Go and change the way you're living. You see, she could have gone right at that moment. She could have gone away and said, right, I'm going to put my mind to be a good person. I'm going to do it. She could have been really set on that decision. But that wouldn't have made a difference when it came to her life and her eternity. The difference was, Jesus said, you have to turn your life around. And that's what being born again is. That's what he was saying to Nicodemus. He was saying, you have to realize there's sin in your life. You have to address the sin and you have to start over recognizing that you were dead. And I brought truth that made you alive. Oh, it's exciting stuff, I tell you what. This woman was right down there on the worst side of the spectrum, okay? She was right down there with Adolf Hitler. Maybe not quite that bad, actually. <laughs> but she was down there, and people recognized it. And here's the... I just love this. The thing about this woman, Jesus saved her physically as well as spiritually. We're talking about our physical body here. And I don't want us to think that it's not important at all, our physical body. Because Jesus could have let them stone her. It, Jesus stood between her and them. And one word could have ended her life. But he saved her physically and he saved her spiritually by speaking truth into her and saying, you need to turn, you need to change, there's sin in your life and you need to stop it now. He needs to address it. And I really believe strongly that God is speaking tonight to believers and non-believers in this room. And he's, he's saying that He wants to wake you up. He wants to revive what's been put to death by sin. What's been put to death by your own bad decisions. You know, and we have to stop thinking this way that our goodness is going to get us anywhere. Because it's just not. But when we come to Jesus, and when we are born again, our goodness, it says, is stored up in heaven. Not be because originally we're doing it for ourselves. When we meet Jesus and He saves us, we start doing it for Him. We start, we start storing up, you know, thoughts and dreams about our future in heaven. When we do a good thing, when we help someone, it's not about, all right, I've got to do this, otherwise I can't get into heaven. It's like, it's, it's totally different than that. It's saying, wow, Jesus had mercy on me. 
And I'm going to do this because he had such great mercy on me. Now I can respond in the same way. I just want to challenge you guys. I just want you to be honest with yourselves. Have you ever addressed, have you ever addressed the deadness of your spirit? I'm not talking about your physical mind, your physical body, your physical man or your mind. I'm talking about the deadness in your spirit. Mark, if you want to just play something, that'd be great. In order for us to be saved, in order for us to have a full life, we've got to respond to this directive by Jesus. We've got to respond to what he said to Nicodemus, that what we do isn't good enough. Something has to happen inside. Something has to break. Something has to change. So that we can actually enter in to a life. Like George said this morning, I want to live until I die. I want to really live. I don't just want to have a bucket list of things to do. I don't just want to have a a, a list full of pleasures that I want to satisfy myself with. But I want to live outside as well as inside. I want to have life in here, in my heart. I want to feel the life of God. And many of you guys tonight, maybe you've been saved and you just don't feel that life in you. You just feel a dullness. You know, spiritual dullness, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost as bad as death. It feels like death. Spiritual dullness can make you dissatisfied with the Lord. And that's for Christians. If you're not a believer tonight and you've never felt that awakening of your spirit, you've never realized, wow, there's a deadness in my heart. I need to wake up. I need to be birthed again. I need to start again. I need to, I need to start living on the inside for eternity. I need to start living on the inside for heaven. If you've got that mind, I just want everyone to stand if you could. That would be great. If everyone could stand. You know, every Sunday we have a gospel service. And every Sunday we preach a gospel message at this church. And you could say that I just picked a message to speak because that's what we do on Sunday night. But I really believe that as I was praying about what to speak on, God gave this to me. So I know there's people in here that God wants to touch tonight. I know there are hearts in here that are dead, that are dull. Right? We are all broken people. We all have a tendency to just slip into apathy. If we're believers, if we're not, no matter what we do, we have a tendency to just do things half-heartedly. So I just want to make two appeals tonight. The first appeal is if you've never been born again, if you've never addressed the death in your heart, if you've never addressed that the wrongdoings that you've done in your life and said, right, That has brought death in me. And I'm not living fully. 
I'm living in my body, but I'm not living in my spirit. If that's you, and you just want to wanna be awakened, you want Jesus to do it, it's not me who's going to do it. It's not any of the pastors who will pray over you. It's Jesus who's going to do it. He's the one who, who stood with that woman and said, No, this is what you have to do. He's going to show you the way. So if you want to be woken up tonight, if you want to just, if you want to have that new birth experience where you just feel the power of God raising up, raising up your spirit, raising up your inner man, I just ask you to come and stand at the front, and we'll just pray with you. We'll just, we'll just help you. We'll encourage you. not enough for us to be good. It's not enough for us to strive for heaven in our own strength or hope that we'll get there. But Jesus gave us the way. He gave us the directions. He put it right there for us. He said, your spirit has to be woken up. You're born into death in your spirit, in your heart. Lord, I just pray for anybody in this room who hasn't been born of your spirit, Lord, who hasn't been born again, Lord, and felt the life that can come from encountering your spirit. Jesus, I just pray you just cause this word to go deep into their hearts, Lord. I just pray that it would go deep, Lord, and it would be in their minds. That it would be just in their thoughts throughout this week, Lord, that you draw them to yourself, Lord. Just draw men to you. Draw women to you tonight, Lord. Cause us to be aware, Lord, of the deadness of our spirit. Cause us to recognize the longing of our heart. It's actually because we're missing life. We're not living the way we're meant to live. There's a death in us that needs to be awakened resurrected by Jesus. The second appeal I want to make is just, I really feel this strongly. I didn't prepare for this. I didn't even plan on doing um, an appeal like this. But if you're a Christian, you've been a follower of the Lord, you've, you've been born again, but your spirit is dull. You don't feel like you, like you did when you were first saved. You don't feel His presence. You want to. You're a longing to. And a big part of this is maybe your own, your own lifestyle. You're not pressing in the way you should. You're not hungering and thirsting. You're not getting on your knees and seeking Him and spending time getting to know Him. And you're saying, oh, I just don't feel Him anymore. I feel dull. I tell you, if you seek Him, you'll find Him. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you're going to be filled. 
But I really believe the Lord wants to address spiritual dullness tonight in this place. He wants to address His sons and daughters. And maybe you've just not been pressing into Him. Maybe you've just not been spending time with Him. Maybe you just feel distance from Him. I tell you, He wants to be close to you. He wants to be so close to you. You think you want to be close to Him. He wants to be close to you. He desires us. He delights in us. So if you're feeling that dullness in your spirit, you're feeling that death coming on, that coldness, I just ask you to come and just just kneel before Him, just pray to Him, just talk to Him, and we'll come around and pray for you. challenge you to come up. I'm going to push the issue because I know there's dullness in people's hearts that needs to be addressed. I have no specific people in mind. I just know how easy it is to slip into spiritual dullness, to slip into spiritual apathy. Oh, we just, if we ask, He'll turn it all around. If we feel broken, He'll turn our brokenness into joy. It might not happen in an instant, but we have to seek, we have to ask, we have to step, we have to take a, take a step out towards who He is to receive what He has for us. You're not going to receive if you don't step out on the line. granted oh Lord we don't want to be dull in our heart Lord we don't want to be dull in our spirit we want to be alive we want to be flowing with the life that comes from you Jesus we want to be vibrant alive with your life Lord if we're your sons and daughters God you've called us to a beautiful wonderful life And it's not enough to walk around with a dull spirit. It's not enough to walk around with a complacent mindset, God. You want to bring us into life to the full. 
You want to bring us into a life full of goodness, full of intimacy with you, Lord, full of wonder. ask Mark to lead us in a song and maybe the pastors and some others could come and just pray for the ones up front that be we're just going to pray for a for a fire for a life in the spirit to rise up Yeah. 